One of the key steps a young man will take as he progresses toward courageous, authentic, biblical masculinity is the step where he begins to assume more responsibility. Here's Dennis Rainey. You know what, as a young man, get used to stepping up. Get used to taking on more responsibility because it is the stuff of manhood. It's why God created you. Back in Genesis chapter one, you were designed to reign over the creation and make a living by the sweat of your brow and uh, be a part of God's redemptive work on the planet. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We're going to explore today what has to happen for a young man to move through adolescence and to embrace authentic masculinity. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Wednesday edition. We're going to have to start with some... uh, well, some some definition maybe or some discussion here at the beginning. You've just finished a book that you call Stepping Up, uh, A Call to Courageous Manhood. You're challenging men to, to step up. And one of the things you address in this book is the idea that men go through uh, a middle phase from boyhood to manhood, the phase of adolescence. And And you know there are people in the culture today who push back on that whole idea of adolescence and say, that's an artificial construct. Back 100 years ago, there was no such thing as an adolescent. You just went from boyhood to manhood. So what do you say to that, huh? Well, they're right. Uh, It wasn't uh, even in the dictionary at the turn of the uh, 20th century. I mean, in in the early 1900s, there were were two steps, boyhood— and manhood. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything in between. You stepped up from boyhood to manhood and probably did so at a much earlier age back then than we do today. So you'd have teenagers, young men, 15, 16, 17 years old, getting married, taking jobs, oh, taking yeah. responsibility oh, for yeah. families. Right. The idea that there would be an extended period where you would learn and study and grow and and just kind of uh, enjoy life before you got down to uh, to the the duties and responsibilities of adulthood that that just didn't exist it, did it? didn't in fact um, uh, there's a guy who wrote a book uh, dr. Michael Kimmel wrote a book called Guyland and in it he um, described a world where young men live uh, he said it's a stage of life an undefined time span between adolescence and adulthood that can stretch out for a decade Mm. or more. It's a bunch of places where guys gather to be guys with each other, unhassled by the demands of parents, girlfriends, jobs, kids, and other nuisances of adult life. What he's saying is he actually wants to add another step (laughs) between Adolescence and manhood, one that can go on into the late 20s. In Guy, fact, it's happening. Guyhood? Guyland, I guess. You, I don't know. You, you get your uh, your video game controller, and you work a job where you can come home and sit down with the dudes and crack out some beers and get out the video games yeah. and, and have a blast. Yeah. In fact, listen to this statement that uh, Dr. Kimmel concludes with. He says, in this topsy-turvy Peter Pan mindset... Young men shirk the responsibilities of adulthood and remain fixated on the trappings of boyhood. 
while the boys they still are struggle heroically to prove that they are real men, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Well, he's really just saying that adolescence has been extended in our culture and that there's kind of this state of perpetual adolescence. And in fact, again, as you've addressed in this book and as you've spoken to men, you're calling all of us to uh, step out of what what is that inertia that pulls us back into the irresponsibility of adolescence and say, step up to the responsibility of manhood. I don't think it's wrong that adolescence ultimately emerged. I think what has become a trap, however, is when young men are allowed to stay in some in-between world between boyhood and manhood for an extended period of time where no one in the culture, no one in their family, no one in their lives is stepping into their lives and saying, It's time to grow up. Mm -hmm. It's time to assume responsibilities. And and I have to say, it's interesting in this culture to watch uh, a bunch of single people, uh, for that matter, single men moving into their 30s, delaying marriage, delaying parenthood after they have gotten married, while these young ladies' biological clocks are ticking. Mm -hmm. And these young men don't want the responsibilities that come with marriage and with a child and with additional relationships that are going to mean they don't have their toys. And so they can't stand sideways on the adolescent step with one foot in boyhood, one foot in adolescence. I think they need some older men in their lives who are on the steps above, looking down at them, and not in an arrogant fashion, but reaching down to them saying, come on up, Mm -hmm. come on up. It may be frightening. It may feel like it is more responsibility, because it is. (laughs) You need to get out of childhood. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a boy, I acted like a boy, I behaved like a boy, I spoke like a boy. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. We need a generation of young men putting away childish things. But, but you know, the messages they're getting in the culture, the messages on TV from their peer group, the messages in the movies, and even the, the, the message of their own flesh, it's not calling them to put away childish things. It's saying, this, this is a time for fun. Enjoy it. Well, you were a teenage young man one time. I was. I remember. Do you yeah. remember it? <laughs> yeah. I mean... It was totally confusing, and it, and life was a lot simpler uh-huh. back then. But what's happening today, I, I fear, is um, the older men and the lives of these young men, instead of reaching out with their hand and calling them to step up, they're not challenging them to much of anything, and they, they've forgotten what it was like. Let me just read to you what I wrote in the book, just in terms of what teenage boys are facing today. A teenage boy's body is changing in strange and foreign ways. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, hair growing in some unusual places. Uh I mean, what's he supposed to do? He's starting to think about things he's never thought about before. All of a sudden, sexual allurement and the mystery of sex becomes powerful. And if you've never been spoken to about this, what's a boy a young man going to do with all that? 
Secondly, he's, he's bombarded with bewildering images and thoughts and choices about sex and morality. In other words, when can he have sex? Now he's thinking about it. What is appropriate? Well, if, if you watch what's on TV, there are no boundaries. I mean, Barbara and I sat at the movies uh, back around Christmas uh, watching previews, and there was – and I forget the name of the movie, and I'm glad I, I'm forgetting it here because I don't want to give it any advertising, but it was all about having sex. That was the theme of the entire movie, and it, it was like – all these single people were just born for this purpose to figure out how to ultimately make out and get in bed with one another. There was no restraint on passion. So here's teenage boys coming to a movie like that. Right. What are they supposed to do with those images? Third, he faces relentless, unbelievable peer pressure. Uh, friends encouraging, enticing um, him to go along with, uh, frankly, barbaric ways. I mean, teenage boys left to go their own, their own route are going to be uh, little barbarians. Next, he battles an emotional upheaval of anger, sometimes rage that he has no idea where it's coming from. I mean, I watched our sons go through this, and without a, a strong daddy in their lives, they can be punitive upon a mom. Well, they're getting some hormones squirted into their system that haven't been squirted there before. And aggression is a part of what comes with that. And it's got to be directed and it's got to be channeled. Yeah. And in this culture, in addition to all that, he also has to deal with other people's expectations. I mean, with all the expectations around the tests they're taking, the college they go to, how well their grades are. I mean, it's pressure on pressure on pressure. And then the last one is he feels this strong gravitational pull toward independence. He wants to spin out and away from the family orbit and establish his own authority away from his parents' authority all on his own. And that's a good thing, isn't it, that it he is. wants to do that? It is. But... It is if he's trustworthy, if he's been trained, if he understands how to begin to exercise his own authority. If he wants to kind of be in charge of his own universe simply so that he can indulge his own fleshly desires, then that's a recipe for trouble. It is. But if he wants to uh, be out on his own so that he can subdue the earth and uh, and fulfill it, as as the biblical mandate calls him to do— then that's a good thing. Yeah, but but just pull back for a second. Think as a parent. Here's a young man that you're observing that has this wash of chemicals and hormones surging through his system. All these outside forces impacting him, and he's spinning off to his own orbit. And two things can happen with parents. One I call the pushback, and the other is what I call the pullout. The pushback is when a young man begins to push back against his parents, specifically his father, and the father lets him, hmm. lets him push him back and push him out of his life so that the father is not in there helping him navigate uncharted waters, okay? The second area is the pullout. Um, some parents just get busy. And it's a hassle to engage your teenagers. The easiest thing to do, again, is nothing. Mm -hmm. And so a dad can pull out of his son's life, in my opinion, at one of the most dangerous 
most important times when a young man needs an older man in his entire life. So ideally, as I hear you describing all of this, I'm thinking to myself, ideally, you want to get a son from boyhood to manhood kind of as quickly as possible, get, get him through the adolescent rapids as quickly as you can? Well, you know, you really understand why back at uh, the turn of the 20th century, why they got married and started their own families. They, these young men had to step up and had to assume responsibilities of a man. Mm-hmm. They were given no other choices. The problem is we built an entertainment culture around appealing to these uh, teenagers, enticing them to stay in this phase well into their 20s. Well, and a lot of the young men at the turn of the 20th century weren't in school after the 7th or the 8th grade. Now, they're in school to college and and beyond, and their only responsibility is to study. There's, there's no job. There's no work. All of a sudden, you got all this free time. I mean, I remember when I was a student thinking, boy, I got no free time. Well, (laughs) I'd go back and and trade, you know? No doubt. Because you got all kinds of time. And if there's no direct responsibility attached to that, that's a a recipe for mischief. You know, Bob, my, my boys at this point would cringe because they know exactly what I'm about to say. When they entered that phase, I would look at them and I said, you have the least amount of responsibility you will have Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But the idea there is that, you know what, as a young man, get used to stepping up. Get used to taking on more responsibility because it is the stuff of manhood. It's why God created you. Back in Genesis chapter 1, you were designed by God to rule. You were designed to reign over the creation and make a living by the sweat of your brow and uh, be a part of God's redemptive work on the planet. Mm -hmm. Probably the best illustration I have of what the teenage years look like and the assignment of a father during those years used to occur as I completed my sixth-grade Sunday school class. Now, this was a class I used to teach. I had 70, 75 young people in that class. So it wasn't just to the boys, but I would always use a boy to illustrate the last principle. This was 70 12-year-olds? Yes, 11 and 12-year-olds. Oh, my goodness. All right. And, And what I did in that class was I used to call it the traps of adolescence. So I had a bear trap that represented sexual immorality. I had smaller traps that represented drugs and alcohol and pornography, other traps that represented uh, peer pressure. And, and I had a dozen traps that were illustrated. And for the last session, I had all the traps set on the floor. It's a miracle, Bob. In all the years I taught this, I never once caught a kid but they never once stepped in any of those traps. I was relieved. Miracle that the fish and game people didn't come in and shut down your Sunday school Uh, class. No no doubt about it. But I had all these traps, and the kids knew what those traps stood for. And so I took a young man on the other side of the traps, on one side of the room, and and, uh, he could see the traps in front of him, and I blindfolded him. Then I said, now I want you to take off your shoes. And on the other side of the room... Uh, with the traps in between us and the young lad was his father. And I instructed the father in what they were supposed to do. I would say to the young man, on the count of three, 
I want you to come to your Father and to me. It's representing going through adolescence all the way to adulthood. So come barefoot through the traps with blindfolds on. Right, exactly. And I would say, one, two, and the Father would interrupt me every time and say, hold it, son, don't take a step. And he would walk over around the traps, would go over and whisper to his son, I want you to stick your hands on the back of my shoulders, and I want you to scoot along and follow me very closely because we are going to be going in between these traps. And so the father would begin scooting through those traps. All this taking place in front of 75 young people about to to encounter these traps and the parents who were about to raise them. They were in the room too because this was graduation. And the father and the young man closely behind him would make it through to the other side and the class always began to applaud and clap and cheer as they finished it and the young man took his blindfold off and gave his father a hug. That's a picture of what adolescence was meant to look like. A father in the midst of doing life with his son, in the midst of the traps, first and foremost staying out of the traps himself, right, and then calling his son to step up and away from the traps and to step with him toward manhood. Mm-hmm. And what's missing today are the fathers walking around the traps and engaging their son at the beginning of of adolescence saying, let's go, son, stick with me, and then sticking with it all the way through the next five, six, seven years, because it's not a matter of having one birds and bees conversation with a 13-year-old boy. It's a matter of talking with him as you're watching a football game and a commercial comes on and you tell him to look away. It's a matter of, of... talking about the movies he goes to and having boundaries in his life. It's a matter of training him to know how to deal with the opposite sex and honor a young lady's femininity by by keeping his hands off of her body. Young men today, more than ever, need a daddy. A daddy who is on the manhood step facing upwards, who knows who he is as a man, who's not dabbling in pornography himself. So he can reach down to his son and say, let's go. Come on. Follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. The dads who are there and and who can't reach back because they've got one foot still stuck in adolescence themselves, how do they get unstuck? Well, you, you know, as we've talked here, Bob, we've, we've, we've created a picture of five steps, uh, a step going upwards from boyhood to adolescence, from adolescence to manhood, manhood to mentor, and then the ultimate step and most noble call for a man, that of being a patriarch. We also created an image that a man can find himself with one foot on the manhood step and one foot on the lower step of adolescence standing sideways. And when a man finds himself standing sideways, he has to realize a couple of things. Number one, his own life is in peril. Number two, the kind of model he is leaving for his son 
and for that matter, the rest of his family uh, is not a good one. And mm-hmm. third, he needs to realize that from time to time, all of us make foolish decisions. All of us step down, and we have to turn our back. That's called repentance in the Bible. We have to turn our back on selfishness and on sin and turn away from it and turn upward toward Jesus Christ and the Scriptures and being obedient to what God has called him to do. So I wish it was a simple matter of just turning away from evil one time and stepping up, but it's never just that. I mean, it occurs as we walk down the airport, in the middle of an airport, and you look over in the the magazine stand, I don't ask to see those pictures. I don't ask to, to have those magazines faced outward to me. 30 feet away, not even going into the bookstore that's in the the airport. But they're there, and they can be a temptation, and they can call a man away from what he knows is right to becoming a doorway through which sin can gain entrance not only to his own life but also to his son's. Mm -hmm. There's a warning in Scripture that the sin of one generation will be passed down to four generations. To me, that's a frightening thought, that my life would be used to pass on sin rather than righteousness to my descendants. So if, if a dad is going to lead his son through the phase of adolescence to manhood, the dad's got to have a pretty secure standing on the manhood step he, himself. He better keep short accounts with God. Hmm. I mean, all of us make mistakes. I've shared many of them here on Family Life today. I run into listeners all around the country who say, you know what? We appreciate the no baloney approach to the Christian faith and to real life as as we all live it. You know, I've shared about cutting down trees in front of my own son. And I've shared about repenting of cutting down a tree that wasn't on my property and calling the owner of that tree and confessing my sin and offering to pay restitution in front of my son. Mm -hmm. Now, that's no fun. But you know what? It's a part of showing our sons where to find life. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. My heart is a precious thing for life in terms of it beating right now. It's also a precious thing if I understand the scriptures spiritually for me to continue to guard my heart so that I might be a source of life, that my life would be a spring that would come from my life to my wife, to my sons, to my daughters, and to those that I impact and influence. It's a great picture for any man standing on the manhood step. There needs to be a stream of water influencing all those around him. Well, and I think it's helpful, and this is one of the things you do so well in the book. Men need to see that the essence of authentic manhood involves sacrifice, involves laying down your life, giving your life away for for others. It's not about being a man for yourself. It's about being a man for others. And dying to self, that's what's at the heart of authentic manhood. And I want to encourage listeners to get a copy of this new book. Again, it's called Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. And this week, we want to send it to you. All we're asking is that you make a donation to help support the ministry. When you do, we're happy to send you a copy of Dennis's brand new book. Uh, Right now, the only place the book is available is here at Family Life. 
So if you want to get a copy, go online or call us and make a donation. If you're interested in multiple copies of the book, those are available for purchase as well. I know there are a lot of men's groups that are going to look at doing a book like this for a men's study. And uh, so if you want to get multiple copies, contact us again online at familylifetoday.com or when you call 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now tomorrow we're going to talk about what authentic, mature masculinity looks like. What are some of the characteristics of someone who has stepped up to manhood? We'll talk about that tomorrow. Hope you can be with us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow. Oh, he planned the proposal for months. <sighs> Seems like now we're just sort of stuck in a rut. Marriage. Keeping things fresh can be a challenge, can't it? You know, I know he's creative, but all of his creative juices he uses up at work. Our marriage is boring. As the saying goes, husbands and wives need to save some for home. I'm going to surprise him with his favorite meal and the kids in bed early tonight. Maybe I can sharpen the old poetry pencil and come up with a few lines for Christy. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Don't let the passion in your marriage wane because of lack of attention. Think of something creative you can do to tell your spouse, I love you. This will be a night he'll remember for a long time. Brought to you by Family Life Today and Weekend to Remember. Love like you mean it. Thank you for listening to Family Life Today. And now I'd like to take just a second to tell you about a great new way to listen to our program. It's called Zubio. Every day, Zubio gathers all of your favorite shows, just like Family Life Today, into a unique personalized playlist that automatically downloads to your computer or to your mp3 player when i use zubio every day i wake up and a playlist is created in itunes of all of my favorite programs and now instead of listening to a show and then backing out three steps and then choosing another show and clicking to listen to it zubio instead just plays them sequentially and in whatever order that i predetermine it allows me to listen to more programs in less time and I can even skip portions of programs or entire programs really easily. Zubio truly makes my listening experience hassle-free. To find out more, just go to our website, familylifetoday.com, and click on the Zubio icon. Stay connected to Family Life Today and all of your favorite programs with Zubio.